Hello and welcome to Mac Bites, episode 26. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, we're going to be looking at summer software bundles, exploding iPods and taking an in-depth look at a new application called BusyCal. But before all that, we've got to catch up from last week. Even without a mention of any info panels, until later that is, uh, we heard from Stargate John, or I heard from Stargate John, who informed me uh, we were talking about refreshing the launch services database. And he assures me that Onyx can rebuild launch services as well. And uh, it's a free application. All you've got to do is make sure that you get the right version for your operating system. There are a lot of different versions available um, for each iteration of OS X. So I'll put the link in the show notes. Just make sure when you download it that you do download the right one. And I heard from my friend Aaron. Uh, he's becoming a bit of a friend of the show, isn't he, Aaron? He is. Yeah. Mac want to be, I seem to recall. Mm, definitely a Mac want to be. He told me about a, an application called Cord, which is a remote desktop. It's another remote desktop app, which we were talking about the other week. And it allows a Mac to connect to a Windows PC. So uh, if anyone uh, wants any further information, there'll be a link in the show notes. You lost my curiosity at the Windows bit there. Mm. Well, still on the Microsoft theme, uh, if you remember last week, I told you about uh, Microsoft Office 2008 for the Mac and the Service Pack 2, which caused some Mac users problems when they tried to open various uh, documents created with the PC version of uh, particular Office 2007. Well, patch 12.2.1, which was released by Microsoft this week, if you install that, that should now solve your problem. Fantastic. Again, you lost my interest at the Microsoft bit. But hey-ho. Anyway, good news. Let's get on to some Mac stuff. And uh, the good news is there are several summer software bundles about. So uh, no excuse not to be all cozied up with some great software at even better prices. Um, I've noticed three. Um, so uh, to get going with them, there is the MacSale.com, the MacBundles.com and the MacBundleBox.com. So, um, Sadly, my personal favourites uh, in applications are spread out across all three bundles. So um, a pick-your-own bundle would be nice, but uh, sadly not an option. So um, here's our picks. From the MacSale bundle, it has uh, Hoodaspot, or Howdaspot, which is um, Spotlight on steroids. Really, really useful for searching local and remote drives. I must use that on a daily basis. And um, another one that I've mentioned in the past is included, and that is Stuff, which is a clipboard extender. Um, it's the one with the sensible licensing policy, which is one license per user and not one license per computer. So I say support companies with a sensible licensing policy. And um, I can feel a campaign coming on it there, you know. Not another one. Well, let's move swiftly on, I think. Um, yeah, from the Mac bundles, a better finder rename, which we discussed a few weeks ago, uh, lets you rename uh, batch rename files. And another one that looked quite useful was letter opener. When using Apple Mail, if you've ever received an email that included an attachment called winmail.dat, then you know the frustration of not actually uh, knowing what was sent to you. And what letter opener does is it converts the winmail.dat files on the fly so that you can actually see and use what the sender intended you to have. I just bounce those straight back. It's mm, a good idea, but uh, <laughs> you might have something in there that was uh, useful. Yes, but I, I like to educate them. I like to educate them in the ways of sending me PDFs and not silly word files and things. 
Mm, I take your point. All the other apps, uh, I think we have alternatives for uh, or wouldn't use. Yep, me too. So uh, on to the Mac Bundle Box and uh, fantastic software in there. Devon Think Personal. Now, uh, it's a version one license and version two is in free beta right now. And the new features in version two are just amazing. So uh, I doubt you'd want to miss out. So you're going to need to check whether there is an upgrade path and if there is, what it is. Is it going to be free or reduced cost? Now, Devon Think Technologies, which are the company who make Devon Think, are usually pretty good about upgrades. I know that personally, I upgraded um, to the DevonThink Pro Office edition, which is the Uber Uber edition of DevonThink, from a bundle version of the personal edition. And I got a great big reduction. So um, it's worth checking with them um, what reduction there would be and, and any cross-grade upgrade path that may be around, because uh, I highly, highly recommend DevonThink. And I've had so many people say, please, please take a look at DevonThink, because uh, it confuses me. And um, there is a lot to it, but it's a really, really good product. And that's a good way uh, to get your hands on it relatively inexpensively. And another one in uh, that bundle, that's the Mac Bundle Box bundle, is um, Stomp, which is another app I own. But um, and what it does is it's it's a video application. It allows you to crop video down to um, the right size or crop parts of it out. Sadly, my view of that has been somewhat um, clouded by a negative experience with the company's support services. Um, I sent rather detailed feedback about another of their products called I Show You several times, and I heard precisely nothing back from them. So um, I certainly had no qualms moving from I show you to ScreenFlow, despite the massive price difference. But um, Stomp did work well for me when I used it, which I don't now because I've got ScreenFlow. But uh, it's not a bad app. No, I love ScreenFlow as well. But uh, staying with the the, uh, the bundles theme, Keynote Themes is one that stood out for me. Uh, 25 themes for Keynote. It actually normally sells for $39, but the whole bundle is only 49 and uh, you know me in presentations at the moment. I think I was heavily influenced by your effective presentation session a few weeks ago. But I also know that certain people don't like my interpretation of the no bullet points way of working. Heathens. Well, moving swiftly on, there's a new kid on the block, a piece of software called Bodega. Or Bodega. No, Bodega. Bodega. <laughs> I knew you'd get that wrong. You've been saying it wrong all weekend. Bodega. Yeah, I need to phonetically spell it, I think. You do. Anyway, Bodega. They've launched an app store for Mac apps, similar in concept to the iTunes app store. It's what You might think of it as a one-stop shop for purchasing Mac apps. It's a free app that you download and install, and I had a look at it. It actually looks like a market stall with shelves full of software. You mean my idea of heaven? Mm-hmm. Oh, I need this. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get developers to sign up and then uh, use the store. So, yeah, it's a good idea, but I think it needs to become a standard in order for it to become mainstream. One feature that I use is the application section. Uh, if there's an app in the store that you've got installed, then it'll show you the installed version. It'll show you the version in the store. And if the version in the store is newer, then there's a little get button, just like you have in iTunes. I actually prefer AppFresh. I think we mentioned that a few weeks ago on the show. Uh, it has a bigger application pool. But it is uh, nice to browse and uh, I think it's a good place to go to see what's available. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea, but um, I'll bet there's some people there. After the App Store debacle over what is allowed in and what isn't allowed in, do we really want to go down a closed shop route? 
Um, Apple might claim the idea as their own and run with it for Mac apps, which is a scary thought right now, um, given Apple's idea of customer care and customer service. So um, maybe not, I think. And talking of Apple and customer care, um, there was a great story this week uh, in the newspaper, unusually. Uh, not RSS feeds, not Mac-related things, in a national newspaper. Um, a father dropped his daughter's iPod Touch. Bad, bad dad. Uh, which promptly overheated and exploded with flames shooting 10 feet into the air. Um, he said it began to make a hissing noise and then went up in a big plume of smoke. Dear, dear me. Now, these things happen. <laughs> Aren't I understanding? Um, so it wasn't the exploding touch that worried me quite as much as Apple's reaction to the father asking for a refund. Um, in a letter denying liability, they alleged um, to have agreed to a refund only on the condition that uh, the father and the family kept quiet about the incident, saying they must agree to keep the existence of the settlement agreement completely confidential and adding that any breach of the confidentiality may result in Apple seeking damages and legal costs. Well, the gentleman in question refused to sign anything and hence the story being in the papers. And um, he said he thought the letter was very disturbing, that they're putting a life sentence on the family not to say anything to anyone. And if they inadvertently did say anything, then Apple could take litigation against them. And he thought that was appalling. He didn't ask for any compensation, just asked for his money back. And if that's true, that is very, very poor. And exactly what happens when you let the lawyers loose. Yeah, but you were a lawyer once. Yes, yes. But the key word there is were. Um, I saw the light and I work in computers now. I did love the law. I loved being at university and studying law. But um, lawyers were a whole different business. And I just didn't want to work with them all day. At least your iMac hasn't exploded, though. Yet. Uh, it's still not right, though, sadly. But uh, just a minute. Yours did explode, didn't it, I seem to recall? Uh, yes, just after you'd given it to me, I seem to recall. I'm sure that was completely unrelated to it leaving my tender care, I can assure you. Yeah, but you do have redeeming qualities like uh, finding good software for me. See, I do, I do. Yeah, one of the software packages that you did find me uh, a while back, I wanted to automate updating my, I, my uh, podcast in iTunes and up to that point I had to remember to open iTunes and click the refresh button. Some of my subscribed podcasts are released daily so if a few days have passed by since the last update I would find I had missing episodes. Now I solved this problem by creating a very simple script and then using iCal to schedule it and to do that I created a new calendar called Scripts, created a reoccurring event to run at 11 o'clock every night, set the alarm to run script and selected the name of the script to run and it worked like a dream. Now one of the problems was that although I could hide the calendar from display in iCal it came through to the iPhone and also BusyCal which we'll be talking about later doesn't support script based alarms without converting them to apps. So the time was come for a better solution and you know it. Well, exactly. And uh, what you found for me was something called Script Timer X. It lets you schedule the execution of scripts, automate workflows and applications. It actually comes with a number of scripts, including one that opens iTunes and downloads subscribe podcasts. It's clairvoyant. Mm. Now, another app that you spotted was iFooty and iFooty Plus. 
Now that the football season started, why not treat yourself, as I did, to iFooty Plus or iFooty for the iPhone and the iPod Touch? Now both apps allow you to keep track of league tables, match results and provide news and minute-by-minute -minute updates of live matches via text commentary involving English and Scottish teams. iFooty is free but is ad-supported whilst iFooty Plus costs £1.19, is ad-free and using push technology can provide you with an audible and visual notification of when a goal is scored. What you do, you select the team or teams that you want to be notified about and whenever a goal is scored in a match involving those teams and it's a goal for the team or a goal against the team, then the phone will make a sound and display a visual alert depending on how you configure it. I like that you can specify more than one team. I do like to spread my affections around liberally. Mm, I wouldn't admit that in public though. Oh, you do have a mind that's just lurking in the gutter. <laughs> Well, a full review of iFooty can actually be found on uh, my blog. Uh, I did that last year and I've done an update as well to uh, iFooty Plus. There's also iFooty World and iFooty World Plus, which are similar apps from the same developer, but these provide scores and news from teams around the world. So really you're bankrupting yourself? Mm, I am, all in the name of football. <laughs> I was going to say that I also, staying on the sporting theme, downloaded uh, ECB Cricket this week to keep my eye on the uh, test match scores. Do you get your money back because it only lasted, what, 60% of the time? Mm, two and a half days. Well, it's a free app, so 60% uh, of nothing is nothing. So, yeah, nothing lost. Mm, apart from the game. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> cricket. Oh, boring, boring, boring. On to Busy Cal. Did you put the cricket in busy cow? Yes. <laughs> Good job you can delete appointments very easily then, isn't it? But anyway. Yes, busy cow, the info panelled app causing my excitement last week. You'll all be delighted to know it's got a lot more on offer than just the info panel. But remember, it does have an info panel. And uh, keep listening because we've got free copies to give away and a discount code from the nice people at Busy Mac. So Busy Cal is from Busy Mac, who make Busy Sync, which we've used for ooh, over two years now. Yeah, Busy Sync worked really well for us. Its main purpose is to allow sharing of calendars across a network. It has. Um, after Outlook and uh, having to install um, a complete internal exchange server to even do simple things, and um, often then it, it didn't work. I was sceptical, but you're right. Um, Busy Sync has been a joy to use. And the Exchange server was relocated to the tip a couple of years ago. No coincidence in the timing there, methinks. Well, compared to Outlook, iCal actually looked simple. And when we first started using it, I think it was, well, you know, we thought this doesn't do much, does it? True, but to be honest, we thought the same with most of the Apple products. And... Um, most of the Apple products, the looks are deceiving and iCal was more than adequate for everything apart from sharing data. And um, that was where BusySync came in. BusySync lets you share your calendars on your LAN with other BusySync users by publishing them and allowing the other people to subscribe to them. Um, obviously, that sounds quite dangerous and um, security is available. You can have a read password or a read write password. So you can either share a calendar as read only or you can allow the other people to uh, make changes to it as well. So um, also with a bit of ingenuity, users on a single computer could also share calendars, um, which was something we got a lot of requests about. And um, it's perfect for a family situation. 
Yeah, we've been asked that quite a few times, haven't we, by a number of people. We've always recommended Busy Sync for that. Uh, we're not on commission, by the way. No, no, we're not. And uh, Busy Cal builds on the concept of Busy Sync. So um, the difference is BusyCal is an entire application rather than a service as BusySync is. Um, it adds a whole range of features that iCal doesn't have um, and it looks quite similar to iCal. So it's an application, it's a calendar application in the ilk of iCal um, and BusyMax say think of it in terms of iCal Pro which I think is quite accurate. Mm, I think it's in, been, been in beta for a few months now hasn't it? It has, and although it is still a beta product, I found it very stable. Yeah, it crashed a few times for me, but that turned out to be a problem with syncing to a Google Calendar, although they've actually fixed that problem now. They did, and the developers have been fantastic, haven't they? They've um, been really responsive to um, the overabundance of feedback we've sent them in the last few weeks. Yes, I think we've been the beta testers from hell, haven't we? Yes, but these things have got to be done. <laughs> And I'm sure they, they've, it's benefited the development overall. Now they finally got rid of us. <laughs> but it wasn't the fact that it was a beta that stopped me trying it before now. Um, what concerned me was thinking that my iCal data would need to be transferred to BusyCal and that iCal would no longer be able to update it. And then, of course, I sync everything to the iPhone too. And my mindset was, if it isn't broken, just don't try and fix it. And my mindset is, if it isn't broken and I break it, then you'll go mad. Quite right, too. Uh, anyway, I needn't have worried uh, because BusyCal uses exactly the same data as iCal. Exactly the same. So any changes that you make in BusyCal are viewable from within iCal and vice versa. And everything synchronises perfectly with the iPhone. Oh, well, that's really important. Well, it's my number one consideration when I test a piece of software. Um, I always want to know where the escape hatch is before I dive in. So um, be assured there is an escape hatch here and you can give BusyCal a trial run without your data coming to any harm at all. But back it up anyway before you start. Mm, I knew that was coming. Indeed, but onto the features. You'll thank me in the end. You'd thank me when there's a crisis. Um, in addition to the standard iCal views, which you get day, week and month, BusyCal has a list view. I guess that was inspired by the iPhone list view. Could well be, but wherever, wherever it came from, it's just a great addition. Uh, you can sort, filter, change columns displayed and have a huge notes area at the bottom. And in that notes area, it, it looks like um, a rich text editor. You can add formatted notes to events and to-dos. Yeah, I like the way that it allows you to customise which columns you can display. And also there's an option to limit the view to certain time periods. Yep, I've used that as well. And um, what I've found, I'm sure you've seen it as well. When um, I limit, when I put something into filter in the list view um, and I choose um, a time period, if I don't, if I forget to clear that and then I go back to the normal view, I keep thinking I've lost all my data and I haven't. I've just left a filter applied to it. So, um, yeah, I've noticed that as well. You've, you've just got to be careful with that. Yeah, the, the first time it happened, I was hyperventilating. But anyway, <laughs> the hit, you don't lose data. It was just me. It was user error. Um, I like the attention to detail uh, in a lot of the other features as well. Um, for instance, you can elect to have your week start on a Sunday or a Monday. I prefer Monday myself, so that got changed. Yeah, Monday for me too. Always good to start the week with Matt Bites Monday. 
Oh, smoothly done. <laughs> um, the week view can be set to show one week or two weeks. And you think a week view with two weeks. But actually, it's really useful for um, future planning where you want the number of days displayed to be more than five or seven. Um, but you don't want to see the full month view, which gives you little squares rather than um, a schedule in, in a daily view. So uh, that's useful. You can even change the start of the day from midnight right through to midday, which ripples through to the week view as well. I think that feature was put in just for you. What are you implying? That you work some strange hours. Fair enough. But in my defence, I'm probably podcast editing. But back to BusyCal and uh, the hours shown can be changed too. So you can change them from between 6 to 24 hours. And again, they, they affect the view. So uh, the level of detail you get changes with uh, the number of hours that uh, you set it up to. Now, personally, I prefer the month view. So um, I'm glad the option to display the time in month view is still there. It was an option in iCal. And uh, when I rebuilt my machine, I'm sat looking at the month view thinking... There's something not right and I'm not sure what it is. Um, and it was the option. I hadn't put a tick in the box to say show the time because uh, I, I pretty much sit in month view. And uh, without ticking that option, you've no idea what time the appointments shown are. So uh, that option's there as well. Yeah, I work in month view, which, as I've said it before, is weird because at work I use the work week view. Well, clearly you don't want to think about spending the whole month at work. So maybe week by week is more palatable for you. You know, I'm starting to break out in a sweat here, all this discussion about month view and, and, and different views and changing the times. It's reminding me of Microsoft Project. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> no, that's one view it doesn't come with. It doesn't come with a Gantt chart view, for which I, for one, am incredibly grateful. All right. Anyway. There's also options available under the view menu, and uh, these allow you to turn word wrap on or off. Word wrap? I thought that was for word processors and text editors. Well, with it off, it means that in month view, you can see more appointments because they're limited to only one line of text for each event. So actually, it is quite useful. I must admit, I like to see the whole title and that it annoys me if it wraps and I can't. So um, I, I like to see the full title. Um, you can also show the entries as rich text. So format yourself silly with the titles. Um, I inadvertently did that. I was trying to change the colour of something and I managed to manually format the text and then thought what on earth's happening here because you can't do that in iCal so um, you can go format crazy in here there's also a toggle to toggle the weekends on and off for work usage mm, i'd rather toggle the weekdays off don't think that was an option but you could always suggest it um the best view option by far is the ability to scroll by weeks toggle which is also available under that view menu yeah i turned that on but it doesn't actually seem to do anything ah well the default behaviour in month view is the same as iCal. So when you click your left or right um, options, you know, at the top where the views are, you have a right arrow and a left arrow. Well, when you click on those, it moves you a whole month. But if you enable that option to scroll by weeks, then using the same keys or the same buttons, uh, move the month view up or down by a week. Now, it sounds simple, but actually it's a huge benefit because if you use that to display, for example, 30 days from today, it means that you can print out a calendar just for the next 30 days, even though that time frame would span two months. Cool. That's actually a very useful feature. 
So many people have asked me about that and um, iCal doesn't play nicely with multiple months. I've never found a way to do it. Um, if you want to print out, say, two weeks at the end of August and the first two in September, you seem to need to print two months and do pretty much like you do in project, which is get the scissors and um, sellotape out and, and piece it together. But um, the view that you get there is really, really nice. Um, I've looked at the, the previews um, in the print options myself and you do get 30 days from today. So um, I really like that feature. But on to events and BusyCal can create a few more than iCal. You've got your standard events and to-do items and those to-do items can be dated or undated. But in addition, you can also create banners, which are all day events displayed across the top of a date or a range of dates, for instance, in month view. You can create journal entries, but the most interesting is sticky notes. Yeah, when I saw the screenshots a few months ago when it was first announced, you know, I thought wicked. Yeah, I'd always, always wanted to attach notes to calendar items. Your small things, they say. Anyway, a sticky note is a dated entry displayed as a sticky note. And that sticky note can be moved around the calendar while still attached to its originating date. So you've got no excuse for missing something important with that sort of display. Um, I was concerned as I had a play with it, that if I moved the sticky note, um, just like if you drag an appointment, you know, I would change the day and um, it didn't. So um, I was able to move that right round uh, my month view and uh, it stayed locked where it was. So it would be very difficult to miss an appointment with that thing flying around. One of the things I was concerned about was what calendars it supported, especially Google Calendar. As I said in the past, I've got Google Calendar with my work schedule in it that I um, synchronise with uh, iCal. Well, it supports four calendar types. You've got your local calendars. They're just, um, if you think, uh, your local iCal calendar data. Um, there's LAN calendars, which are calendars that have been shared by other people using BusyCal or BusySync. Um, the two integrate completely. Uh, and that would come from another local Mac. You've got Google calendars. Um, you can have multiple Google calendars. You can even have multiple Google accounts if you need them. Um, and there's WebDAV calendars, which are subscription based calendars. So, for instance, I have a UK holidays one. And any of those um, calendars or types of calendars can be shared or subscribed to. Mm, sounds a bit like BusySync, doesn't it? I think it's actually easier than BusySync. Uh, BusySync ran as a service in the um, system preferences. So you had to go in there and you had to deliberately share it. But with this having a completely integrated interface, um, it's really simple. To share, you just, um, from BusyCal, right-click on a calendar and select Publish to LAN, and um, that's it. And to subscribe, uh, you place a tick in the box next to the calendar of um, any shared calendars which you will find grouped in BusyCal um, according to machine. Mm, easy peasy. Even Google calendars are a doddle to manage now, so much so I've actually created one, my first Google calendar, and uh, it's working brilliantly. So all you need to do with Google is just add in a Google login to BusyCal and you're done. Um, I'd found Google calendars awkward to say the least in the past um, and when we were looking at our MacBytes live calendar um, we had a look at Google Calendar and I said it's going to be a pain to keep it updated and uh, we opted for um, a mobile me shared one didn't we? We did. And that didn't work very well at all now so uh, we have changed it so if you've subscribed to our calendar in the past can you go back and do it again because now it's a Google Calendar and it's working much much better. 
it is. It sounds great so far. Now, isn't there something called an info panel? <gasps> info panel, info panel, info panel. Uh, not again. Oh, come on. Give me my moment of joy after two years with that bubble. What was wrong with the bubble? Apart from having to double click an entry every time you wanted to edit it. Look, look, look. I, Callum Tiger, had it right. Um, the info for an event was displayed in a drawer on the right-hand side of iCal and it was editable without the extra step of clicking edit and then updating as you moved. And, and you know, it actually updated as you moved from event to event. The bubble is horrendous and that's the clean version. It floats and never where I expect it to be floating. Um, I've had it hanging off the screen when iCal's maximised and I've had to move it before I can edit it or, or actually click any of the buttons at all. Um, there's the extra step to editing an event where you have to click that edit button. Now there is Command and E which is a shortcut um, which when you're, you're clicked on an event also edits the event. But I shouldn't need a shortcut key to edit an event. Um, the bubble does not stay open from event to event. When you've got an alarm, um, I might have an alarm set um, for an event, an online event I'm going to attend. So what I want to do when I, when I see that alarm, I'm going to need to click the URL that's attached to the event. I've got to open up the bubble and then I've got to find the thing and then I've got to be able to click the URL and um, it just doesn't work properly. It, it won't. I've actually had it on occasions where when I have a reminder on the screen, I double click it, it takes me through to the event and it highlights it. But then when I try and double click the event to get to the clickable URL, it won't open it. So I actually have to close iCal down completely and rerun it. So horrendous. Then when you're in edit mode, when you finally made it that far, uh, when you click done, it closes the bubble. Now, I've done editing it, but I've not done looking at it. So some consistency here, Apple. If I've got to click to edit, then I should have to click to close it. Uh, but no, as soon as I click done, it closes the bubble and then I've got to double click to open it again. And to be honest, it's just not suited for a workflow where you've got many, many events and you want to view the details. Well, if you want to view the details without getting RSI. Yeah, one of the problems I've found is that if I've got iCal on one monitor um, and then I double click to actually edit an event I could find that the bubble is straddling between the two monitors and I've got to drag it over where I can actually see it. I've actually had this bubble appear in another space. I spent 10 minutes trying to find it. I thought I'd killed it but uh, no such luck. Um, now I'd have settled for just getting the old info panel back uh, but the BusyCal implementation is even better. You can have it docked to the right hand side of the window or you can have it floating or you can even have both if you like. And there's none of this click to edit business going on. Uh, you can edit straight away. And as you move from event to event, in my case in the month view, then the event details in the info panel get updated with the events, uh, with the details of the event that you've clicked on. It's a complete joy to use. In fact, the whole info panel is just completely configurable. You can choose the precise fields that are displayed Mm, as we found out when you couldn't find the time zones. Yes, that did cause um, a moment's hyperventilation on my part, uh, but you saved the day there. Makes a change. Steady on, it's been known. I find just having the info panel there actually just makes it easier to work with. As you say, you can actually see and edit the event details. 
What, you mean you agree with me straight away? Mm, absolutely. Wise, very, very wise. But anyway, back to BusyCal. Because uh, as good as the info panel is, there's even more features. Um, events and to-dos can be tagged, which I've not ventured too far into, but uh, it seems like a good idea for tracking stuff down with the searches. No, I've not looked at tagging either. Well, it's a great implementation. Um, it remembers all the previously used tags, but there's also a tag manager and uh, you can add, edit and delete tags in there as well. I must investigate that, I think. Well, while you're in there, you might want to have a look at the um, holiday calendar implementation as well. Ooh, I like holidays. Well, sadly, it doesn't give you any more holidays, but you do get the option to display them in a nice way. Um, each calendar has a checkbox to mark it as a holiday calendar. And if this is ticked, then the events display at the bottom of the month view, more like a paper diary. I hadn't noticed that, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now and yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, well, what I found was um, I already had one of those in there and I thought, oh, this one's displaying differently. Um, and I found, and it is a feature, that if um, a calendar has the word holiday in it, um, it BusyCal displays it like that by default. So um, it works very well. And surprisingly, it, it separates out the fact that it's a holiday from it being an appointment. So um, it, it just works really well. I wouldn't have thought of it myself, but um, what I did was change the colour of them. So I knew that a holiday was a, a specific colour, but um, it works and it works brilliantly. Um, I've also elected to have the weather displayed for the next five days. No, I turned that off. It was too distracting. Um, well, there's an option for the size of the icons, so I elected to make the icons small and then they actually fit neatly next to the date and um, you can be quite precise as to your location. Obviously, um, to have the weather, you're going to have to give it some geographic information, although I do know certain people were trying to set it up without and telling me what the weather was. And when I said, well, where, you know, where is the weather like that? You said, I've got a clue <laughs> because you hadn't be set it up. It, it was indeed you. Um, it's it, I found it very precise. I tried putting in um, my local town and um, it didn't go down to that level. So I put in Manchester, which is obviously a huge area and the weather could be different all over Manchester. Um, and it came back and it gave me about 12 to 15 areas within Manchester. And I could narrow it down to um, an area of South Manchester called Trafford, which is pretty small. Um, and the weather has been pretty accurate while I've been testing it. And there's also moon phases as well. So handy for astronomers. You can choose to have uh, the moon phases displayed on, on the calendar. Yeah, I turned that off as well. Another thing you turned off. OK, do you use the alarms? I do, though. Having my iPhone buzz when I'm listening to music is distracting. Oh, there's always something. Anyway, I shall talk about alarms then. Um, the alarm options are amazingly extensive. You get to specify defaults for lots of options. Um, you can specify defaults for new events, defaults for all day events, defaults for to do's, the default snooze time and even whether the default action on the reminder dialog box is to snooze it or to dismiss it. And of course, the alarms can be completely turned off in the preferences. So uh, for times when you don't want them appearing or sounding. Now, I do that a lot when I'm delivering presentations. Um, but there's also a handy alarm list available from the menu bar, too. So uh, that can always be displayed and uh, you're not disturbed, but you can go up and see the alarms. And the actual alarms themselves can be set to send a mail to any of your me card addresses from your address book. Um, it can 
be set to open a file or a URL to show a message and or play a sound. Mm, there's a lot of options in there. True. And the alarm displays are better um, because instead of numerous dialogue boxes. So when I've left a machine um, all day and I come back to it, I, it's quite conceivable. I'd have half a dozen dialogues with uh, reminding me of various things that have already been and gone. Um, so you get separate reminders in iCal. But in BusyCal, you get a unified dialogue box, which has a list of all the current alarms and you get to handle them either individually or en masse, uh, snoozing or dismissing as you require. And I don't know if it's a big issue for you, but um, I use the time zone feature of iCal a lot. And BusyCal's even better. In iCal, you had to specify a time zone by clicking the relevant time zone on a ridiculously small map of the world. And it used to drive me mad. Um, I might know what time zone I need, but not its precise location in pixels on a map probably about the size of my thumbnail. And uh, it used to drive me mad, as you will well know. The air was blue mm. often. It was usually mountain time, wasn't it? It's in the middle of America and, and there's, you know, there's so many time zones over there and I could never be quite precise. And it would it would list cities. And, and if it wasn't the city that I was aiming for, then I don't know where every city in America is, I'm afraid. So um, and anyway, it's just too small. It's far, far too small. So um, what BusyCal lets you do um, it uses a dialogue box, but instead of the map, it lists the time zones and nearby cities, which is a huge improvement. Amazing. When I found that, uh, I was jumping up and down, wasn't I? Yeah. Nearly as excited as with the info panel. <laughs> Nearly, but not quite. It's secondary to the info panel, but um, it is very, very clever. Um, it lets you specify not only a starting time zone, um, but also an ending time zone. Now, that's not something I'd use. Um, when I start um, a presentation and I'm on mountain time, I usually finish it in the same, same time zone. Um, but for international travellers who know when they're taking off and landing in local time only, um, I'd imagine that would be really useful. So um, it is configurable. So you get to configure what fields are displayed in that info panel. So uh, if you're trialling it and you have a look and you think, what's she talking about? I don't see those options. There's a few hoops you've got to jump through to see all of those options. You would need to enable time zone support in the general preferences. And then you would need to go in and edit your info panel view to show all the required time zone fields. But uh, once you've done that, you're good to go and uh, you can virtually do anything with it. So you're totally happy with it then? Well... Well what? Well, I'd like my iCal calendar groups and my mini calendars back, but I'm prepared to swap them for the info panel. That's it? Well, growl support would put the cherry on the top too. Well, I think that covers everything. Well, not quite. Um, as we mentioned, thanks to the nice folk at Busy Mac, you will have the chance to win copies of BusyCal when it's released, which will be shortly. Uh, those same nice folks at Busy Mac have also given us a discount coupon, which will save you 20% off the price of the app. And uh, we will announce full details next week, so don't miss it. And in the meanwhile, why not download the trial and give it a go? You'll not be disappointed. They absolutely will not be disappointed. It is an amazing application. Very, very impressed with it. Um, so much so, I was thinking along the lines of busy address book. That's one for next week. Yes, you heard it first here. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, uh, feedback and comments. And uh, from Connor P, uh, an article that related to Elaine's issue with photos on her iPhone. 
A recently discovered iPhone bug appears to pertain only to photos with the name IMG underscore 10,000 or higher. And as a result, iPhone OS 3's built-in photos application refuses to acknowledge the presence of these images or show them in the camera roll, which is exactly what your problem was. That was the problem I had exactly. I'm not sure of the number of them, but uh, now I have read that, I will go and check what the number of them was. Users are reporting that the pictures are indeed still on the device and can still be imported to iPhoto or the Mac or the selected program on Windows. Have I lost you there, Windows? Yeah, I've gone. I've gone. Mm. The bug appears if to be... If you think I'm plugging my iPhone into a Windows box, you are insane. I'll tell you what, last week I plugged my phone in to charge it into my, my iPhone, into my uh, iMac, and I ran uh, Fusion, and uh, Vista actually picked it up as a device, and I could actually see all the photos natively in the operating system. Now, you see, if yours would have exploded into flames and jumped 10 foot in the air, I wouldn't have been surprised. No, I could have blamed Vista. <laughs> <laughs> but what would Apple have done with that? Give you a gag order, obviously. <laughs> I could have taken it to the Microsoft store that they're opening next door. Oh, fantastic. That would go really well, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway. What can you do with this? I dread to think. <laughs> the bug appears to be independent of another OS 3 phone photo-related problem in which pictures are taken by the device and reported as missing by iPhoto during the import process. I don't know if you've had that at all. I can't say I have, but there again, I did scorched earth the thing, didn't I? Mm. So uh, I think I'm back to photo one. But that was a great catch there, Connor. I'm going to have to write up my fix and uh, add it to the information out there for people. And I really do need to go back and check what the numbers of those photos were. But uh, surely Apple realised you might have 10,000 photos. And anyway, I didn't. You were laughing at me, but I only had 1,800 and a few. Mm. So uh, I'm, I'm sure it didn't go up to that number. But uh, I'm going to go and check, and uh, we, we shall report back next week. Excellent catch there, Connor. On to events. The next MacBytes Live event is this Thursday, 13th of August, when Elaine will be showing you how to get the best from your holiday photos. Event starts at 8 o'clock BST, that's 8 o'clock in the evening, but we'll be in the room from about 7.45 for a chat. To attend, just go to macbytes.co.uk slash live. And for more information about all our events, please visit digitaliq, that's digital-iq.co.uk. Yeah, and just to say about that, um, I often tweet out the uh, URL. And uh, if you see an odd-looking URL like nwag.co.uk slash live, it all goes to the same place. Um, it depends how many characters I've got left as, as to the address I tweet out, but it all goes to the same place. You'll be glad to know. And uh, we will be there for a chat. Anyway, on to the competition. Uh, voila, last call, last call to win a copy of Voila from Global Delight. So to win a copy, what have they got to do? You've got to download the trial of Voila from globaldelight.com, test it out and tell us what feature you found most useful and what you'd use it for. Add your entry to the link in the show notes and the closing date is Saturday the 15th of August. Now, I noticed that you put a very detailed review up on the website, I had a read of it and I actually learned a lot. Although I've actually been playing with the software, there's a lot that I didn't know and I do now, so thanks for that. 
Yeah, um, I started looking at it and, and thinking, well, you know, it captures images and there's a little bit of an organiser and then you can edit them and then you can upload them and things. And then when you actually get into it, um, you drill down um, and the, the, it's a software with an amazing depth. I was surprised at uh, just how much you could do in the way of editing. Um, its capture options are extensive. Um, it had capture options I've never seen before, and some of them will make my job as a technical writer much, much easier. Um, I don't know if you saw that bit, but it can capture a menu. I did see that bit. I was most interested in that. I'd like it to capture the top bit of the menu as well. That would make my life complete. But um, it does capture menus, and not only that, but uh, if the menu option that you're after capturing is on a sub-menu, it captures both the sub-menu and the menu. Um, what I was having to do previously was take multiple shots, knock the background out, and then sort of collage them together. So it was a trip to Photoshop or Fireworks for that. Um, now I can capture them together. It's automatically got transparency behind it. So what I did was, um, to, to, to solve the problem with the, the top level menu not appearing, was take a screenshot of the top level menu and add it in later. And I thought, well, oh, it's not too, not too bad. I've saved some time with the menus um, and I can take it into an, an editor. Um, but then I found that Voila has the ability to do what it calls image annotations. And you can actually pin one of the images to the workbench, which is the area that you um, view your images with. And there's like one large image and that's the workbench. You can pin an image to there and then go and find another image and composite the two together. So I didn't even have to go into Photoshop for that. So um, I was really, really impressed with that. Uh, so I'm still playing around with it and having a great time. I can highly recommend it uh, for technical writers. And to be honest, anybody else who's got a need to take a lot of screenshots. So um, I, I suggest you go back and have another look. It's got hidden depths. Et voila. Indeed. But that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we would love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. And we now have a contact form on the website. So uh, that's another way to let us know what you think. And that's actually proving really popular too. So thanks for all your comments that have arrived to us via the contact form. You can keep up to date with what we're doing via the website at macbytes.co.uk and on Twitter, twitter.com slash macbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. Oh, well done. You got it right this week. So until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you Macbytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye. I really need to do my info panel bit there, don't I? No, I'll leave it then. OK, then. Christmas special. Can I do it then? Please. And I could say au revoir and voila. Oh, info panel, info panel, info panel. Is this being recorded? Absolutely.